0: Bienvenue, vous êtes en train d'écouter The Spoken Tour. And welcome, you're listening to The Spoken Tour.
1: Welcome, you are listening to The Spoken Tour. Bienvenidos, están escuchando The Spoken Tour.
2: Buenos dias, Spoke Nation out there. Um, we're coming at you live from our second continent of the entire trip. We are officially on the ground in South America people. We have done it. Slowly but surely, pedal by pedal, poco a poco. poco, a poco, we've made it to a seeming kind of symbolic chapter two of the trip, um, which has led to a revitalization in overall Stoke. I would say, um, not to say that Stoke was not high before, but it has kind of leveled up. I would say,
3: would you would you agree? Absolutely. I think the last few weeks in Central America, we found ourselves uh, funneled onto some very hectic roads that brought our stress levels up higher and higher with each progressive day, almost to a breaking point. Um, and so now being on a new continent, like you said in this chapter two, um, with kind of more wide open spaces and a little more space to breathe, um, new surroundings to observe has definitely got the stoke meter. Ticking higher and higher. Oh yeah,
2: um, but yeah. Last time we were coming at you from uh, Costa Rica. Since then, we have oh, battled crocodiles, crossed canals, braved the Darien Gap, and uh, made our way into the land of infinite salsa dancing, Colombia.
3: That was a very brave traverse the Darien
2: Gap. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was super brave of us to get on an airplane and take the easy way over the Gap. Um, and for those of you who are not familiar with the Darien Gap, it is um, the sole piece of land. It's about 150-ish miles of um, kind of absolute wild... Uh, jungle? Yeah, jungle. Um, it's the only section from Alaska to Tierra del Fuego in Argentina of the Pan American Highway that's not paved. There's no road. Um, it literally stops um, because it is just too gnarly. They have they've never been able to pave it. They've never been able to tame it, um, which is pretty badass. It's, it's cool that, I don't know, that the, the more, the closer we got, the more we learned about it. Um, especially riding the Pan American Highway the last two weeks and just seeing how kind of industrial and it's this kind of just symbol of like capitalism and um, development and how there's this 150-mile stretch of land that they've not been able to pave and tame yet. Um, So really there's two options to get across the Darien Gap. You can take a boat, um, which we learned from many other bicyclists that – uh your bike gets put on the deck and is more or less washed away um and parts break etc etc um or you people can take a plane. Up on yeah it. <laughs> people puke everywhere um or you can take a plane and so we um decided to take the easy route and just hop on a plane um not have to deal with any more bike problems than we've already had so um yeah, that was that was it was it was kind of a tough pill to swallow hopping on a plane, but at the same time we got over it very very quickly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> definitely not the the
3: sexiest chapter of a bike tour when you get on an airplane, but I think the pros outweighed the cons and we're totally satisfied with it. Yeah.
2: Speaking of pros, cons, um, just to give you a high level, Highlight Lowlight of the last few weeks, we figured that would be a better way than uh, going poco a poco through the last few weeks, so um, Ty you want to start with Highlight Lowlight? Yeah,
3: low light, like we kind of both have alluded to, was the helter-skelter, breakneck uh, riding along the Pan-American that we were doing um, for the majority of the last few weeks in Central America. Not super fun, not super um, engaging with the people or the landscapes that we were in. It was just staring down at the white line on the highway, trying not to get blown off the road. Um So that was a low light, but uh, I think the silver lining there is we have kind of both looked at that time and realized that it's not something we want to put ourselves through again, and we now have a renewed vigor for setting ourselves up for little side trips to national parks or to historic towns that were recommended by people we know and trust, and even if that means that we have to spend an extra day or two of riding to get there... Um, it'll be worth it to find those little pockets of seclusion and isolation and um, culture and landscapes and things that get us really excited, the things that um, put us on the road on this trip in the first place. So that was the, the silver lining from the low light. The highlight by far was having family and friends and loved ones down in Panama City for Thanksgiving. Um, it I don't think I, I realized how much uh, it meant until it was actually happening. I was totally content with having a Thanksgiving solo with Tom on the road wherever we were and told myself that that was going to be just fine. And when I got the word from family that they were all willing and able to come down, um, I think I, I realized then how special it was and just what a, what a gift it was to, to have that time with them. So that was my highlight.
2: Uh low light for me was I hit what I am calling rock, my low point of the trip. I'm not letting myself get to that point again. Um, yeah, pretty much as a product of the breakneck pace that we had the last two weeks to make it to Panama City and just crushing miles on the Pan American. We covered pretty much the distance we cover in a mo- usually cover in a month and two weeks, and it led to me just experiencing a type of exhaustion, physical, mental, spiritual exhaustion that I have not had in my life, um, and it was weird. It was like full-on zombie mode, just felt like I was floating through my days, just did not feel present or like myself at all. Um, so it was finally, when it, when I was able to shake it, um, it was just like, whoa, okay, yeah, I'm not letting myself fall back into that again. That was no good. Um, and I think one of the things that definitely did help me shake it, it was just arriving in Columbia um, uh, yeah just kind of this very symbolic kind of chapter 2 of the trip um, just picking up on the awesome energy of the Colombian people super hospitable um, they love cyclists I think if there's one country where we're actually going to seem cool for doing what we're doing it is Colombia um, and yeah just like this this type of stoke that you only get from being around the mountains again um, and it's just kind of what we thought of when leaving for this trip is kind of starting to all culminate and, um, set itself up right, right in front of us. So, um, yeah, that's my highlight, low light. Um, and yeah, kind of a little micro highlight has been, uh, the last few days here in Kali, um, despite yesterday I got slammed with some sort of 24 hour flu like bug. Um, but we have been hanging with, um, our host Christian and two other French travelers that are staying with Christian, Guillermo and Alejandro, and uh, we sat down with them to talk a bit about cycling culture in Colombia, salsa dancing, the Amazon, um, and a few other awesome little gems. So um, we'll go ahead and spin the interview for you,
3: and get your Spanish listening ears on, folks, because you're gonna hear some really textbook fluency from a couple of gringos in this next clip.
4: Bueno, bueno, estamos aquí con unos amigos en Cali Alex, hola, yo me llamo Cris y soy de Cali. Y um, tenemos unas preguntas y una conversación sobre unas cosas de Colombia, unas cosas de Latinoamérica. y um, vamos a empezar con Cristian y um, una descripción de dónde estamos y um, una descripción sobre el medio ambiente y las montañas y uh, las cosas que hice Cali un lugar muy, muy, muy barato en todo de Colombia.
1: Oh, ok, bueno, yo me llamo Cristian y vivo en Cali los últimos 29 años. Um, Cali es una ciudad, es la tercera ciudad de Colombia. Everything. Okay, okay. Well, Cali is the third biggest city in Colombia uh, in terms of people, and it makes it full of culture. We have different, different people from different sides of the country and different side and different different countries even. Uh, and it's because we're really close to the ocean, really close to one of the biggest ports. I would say it's called Buenaventura. That one and uh, the one in Valparaíso, in Chile, are the two biggest or most important in Latin America. So, Cali is three hours away from there, and makes us like the point, like cent- center point of the place for people to come traveling from different side of the the world of the world. Cool. And
0: but the it's, badass it's, is not the commerce; it's the salsa, no? Okay, <laughs> yeah. So, well,
1: the the culture. Well, yeah. That's that's one of the most uh, traditional, not, traditional representative uh, parts of the culture. From Cali, which is salsa dancing. Uh, uh, it was developed, as we all know, in New York. But then a lot of people from there came came here, and it, it got mixed with uh, I don't know, like some of the black culture that we that we have here in Cali. Afro uh, rhythms, Afro rhythms, Afro rhythms, and no, but it's it's everything. Not only music, we have cuisine and uh, dancing, music, uh, singing. Even painting and poetry, a lot of things from black culture.
0: Here. But if I can add something because it's Colombian so maybe you don't realize it, but it's fucking amazing how much everybody is dancing. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Everybody there's not one people in Cali who can't dance salsa. So when you come from Europe and you come in the club, you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to take salsa lessons, you know, I'm, I'm for so a bad. Freaking years, for <laughs> years <you know>? <laughs> 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 And it's so erotic and <laughs> sensual. It's a best dance. Uh, oh. and,
4: oh. and,
1: and that is because uh, it is so important socially and culturally to be a good dancer. It's
0: like, before and sex. Well if you're a bad
1: dancer? No? You're you're no one. You don't exist. <laughs> you just don't exist. You need to dance. Uh have you ever seen this Happy Feet movie about penguins yeah. that if you cannot sing you're not a penguin? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you cannot dance you're not a <laughs> Socialmente, Pero, hay la que bailar, Pero la bailan, mayoría de hombres no bailan. ¿Qué? Todo yeah. el mundo baila.
1: Miren la verdad. Everybody
0: dances. No. <risa> no.
1: <risa> oh, no, no.
0: Everybody has their own style. Everybody dances. No. It's from the podcast. No, Just from no, the podcast. No, 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 Perdón, ya, bueno, ya sigan.
3: fantasía. Esto,
0: Esto okay. es...
3: Okay, so, y aparte de la geografía de Colombia, una vez que hemos disfrutado es la presencia de una uh, cultura muy fuerte de ciclismo. Y la presencia de esta cultura de ciclismo um, es uh, uh, una cosa muy uh, muy, muy divertida para nosotros. ¿Puede hablar um, por qué existe esta cultura de ciclismo, este entusiasmo para ciclismo en Colombia que es... Más fuerte de muchos otros países en Latinoamérica.
1: ¿Por cuáles países de Latinoamérica has pasado a tu viaje en su viaje? Uh,
3: México, Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Panamá
4: y Colombia. Y aquí en Colombia, sin duda, la cultura de si, ciclismo
1: es el máximo. ¿En la carretera o en las ciudades? ¿Cómo lo como la han experimentado? En los dos. En los sí, dos? sí. En la carretera es muy común que haya espacio. ¿La, la Okay okay well basically we can start the story by saying that some some of colombian sport people like in cycling they've been representing the country in international competitions just like the Le Tour de France or Giro d'Italia or La Vuelta a España which are like three of the most um, famous or popular uh, competitions in the world so some 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 good People from Colombia are being there, being there, so that that makes it a little bit more trendy. Yes, a little bit more trendy or acceptable or something that you can do, because everything is everything here is all about soccer, all yeah. about soccer. For the last hundred years, um, but there's right. some other sports that people are uh, that being be like like practicing, <laughs> but. Bike itself as the tool for transportation. It's I, I would say it's more important than just sports. Yeah. Some people started by doing it that, like that, that way, but it, it is also used as a commute, commuting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Commuting, uh, commuting, what? A community vehicle. 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 Okay. You, 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 you go to school. You can go to university. You can go to work. Um, and the, the cities are not that that big, so. In no more than 40, 45 minutes, you are from one, from one edge to the other. Yeah. In the in, in the city, so that makes it uh, affordable. Uh, it's economical. It's it's all about ex- exercise. It's all about um, having a way to, a way to express yourself. How, how would you, how would you how would you put it? Why would you put it in that way? Like in a, a way to express yourself. Like
3: putting stickers on your bike or adding different colors or making oh, yeah, your yeah, bike yeah. A, re- a representation of your personality.
1: Yeah, no, 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 totally, totally. It happens here for the last five to eight years. I would say that it, it become it became trendier. I yeah. Say, to to have a personalized bicycle, you can you can either have a a mountain bike, a track bike, yeah, or even a touring bike. Oh, beach style bike. Have you seen those? Yeah, the cruisers. Yeah. <laughs> Cruiser. cruiser. A cruiser. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, it, it, of course, it, it, it represents your personality. I own, I own three different bikes, right. all of them with different personalities. Yeah. I feel different when I'm riding. Exa- yeah, exactly. And with my friends and people that I know that ride, uh, ride bikes in the city, for all purposes, I, I can say that it happens here. Yeah. Happens here. There's, a, there's a really big culture on that. And also, uh, we have some competitions like, like underground bike competitions, you yeah. know what I mean? Like these bike messengers type com- competition we have, yeah. we have here. And, and that that has been created for the last five years, uh, yeah, it's a couple of years, uh, it's been creating a culture around the bike. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a great point here. It's a great moment and time and place to be on a bicycle. Yeah, no, and I would say it's very, very safe. Like uh, at least in Colombia, I've been around uh, we we have this big country divided into 32 different political states. I've been in 12 of them by bike, and I've never been robbed or, or ne- ever ever been in an accident because of another car. Because we have the space and we have the culture of, yeah. of respecting the, the the cyclist whenever you go on the on the road. I I've I've done it even during the night. Mm-hmm. Nothing, couple, couple with a friend or alone. Yeah, great. It's a great place to bike.
4: Yeah. Gracias para la descripción y para cambiar el uh, sujeto tema, la tema. Um, nuestro amigo Alex tiene una perspectiva muy interesante en un parte de Colombia y de Sudamérica, la Amazonia. 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 Sí. Amazonia. ¿Quiere explicar las, uh, unas de las cosas de la Amazonia?
0: in
4: Brazil?
0: first day I was in Brazil. Yes, I was in Brazil and I went up to Colombia. Yeah, so I'm traveling by hitchhiking and doing volunteers. And went all the way, uh, all the way up to, to North Brazil and to Colombia. And in Leticia, which is a city joining the three frontiers, Peru, Brazil and Colombia, there's a little indigenous village, which is called Mocagua, where um, I spent a few weeks as a volunteer in a, in a monkey house. So there were seven species of monkeys and really cute, all, all of them. And it was a f- fabulous work of, a, of an American biologist who spent a life Uh, taking care of these monkeys and protecting them from hunting and from illegal illegal traffic Um, so we get them when they are young when they are lost or uh, when the police catch them from the illegal traffic we take care of them and then they go back to their wildlife. life but until they're strong enough to go there uh, they are like babies and really cute, and uh, yeah. so yeah, I spent uh, my time in uh, in a hummock in the middle of the forest oh, for yeah. a few weeks uh, yeah. with yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, with it's monkeys, like, and like reptiles, mystic, you know, birds, yeah, and birds and snakes and and humans, and, and chamans. Yeah, but they're not really humans. They are. They are more than humans. Okay. Wizards. They are humans, but connected with, uh, with the universe. You know, so awesome. Yeah. Did, uh, that's did you, awesome, humans.
2: Did you have one single moment that was like when you when you look back, you're like, oh yeah, that was my absolute favorite single moment of your whole time there?
0: Yeah, uh, I think it was um, the second day I came. No, actually, there are two. I think. I think the first one when the red holler monkeys, which are really really cute uh when the first one came to me and jumped on my leg and went all the top <laughs> went to my neck and spent his, his, his uh, what his Tail? his tails around my neck and uh, was like uh, cuddling yeah <laughs> and doing this uh, this song <laughs> it was just fucking crazy <laughs> I sp- wow yeah no I it was amazing, I can't describe this, this emotion, I, it was really really amazing. I think I'm going to remember it for all my life. The first time he came to me, and said, wow, I'm, I'm realizing my dream, you know, I'm in the fucking Amazon forest, sorry for saying this one. <laughs> <laughs> for French it's not, it It doesn't mean. Um, so I, yeah, I'm in the great Amazon forest with monkeys, it's like this it time And it is the second one, it, when it started raining, really heavy, and uh I was with all my cousins, the monkeys, and we spent like one or two hours doing nothing, just watching the rain and cuddling and uh there a little one, a little motherfucker which which was really crazy and robbing every every tourist and and he was touching the, the white balls of the red polar monkeys. You know? Touching, <laughs> like, touching like a yeah. yeah. He had these two little white balls, you know. And the, the other crazy monkey was like. It <laughs> was really funny. He was touching, touching them. What the
1: other monkey? The, the owner of the ball? No, they were, they were they were
0: chill, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just touch my balls. Touch my balls. Nah, and they were young, like a few months. And and he, was, he had this these eyes you know and like looking at me like okay i'm am i doing something something wrong something crazy it was really funny they're really expressive really cute yeah uh, and yeah at the end you're more than friends with them mm-hmm. are, you're in love yeah. with them that's and awesome. uh, yeah we have to, to take care of these little species mm-hmm. that's cool yeah, so it was that's very cool was there anything that
3: you learned from your time in the amazon uh specifically learned from like the the biodiversity of the amazon or the mm. the magic like you said or the mysticism of the amazon that has
0: made you um, see the world in a different way yeah the biodir- the biodiversity there is absolutely crazy um when i was on the boat cruising from manaus to leticia i felt amazing to be in the first but a bit no, uh, I don't know. It's a bit uh, uh, frustra- frustrated. Yeah, not to go inside this forest and to discover uh, this million species. You know, since uh, millions of years, uh, growing, it's like the center of evolution on the planet. It's just absolutely crazy and mystic. And the night in the Amazon with all the all the sounds, uh, all the tales, all the 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 pink dolphins inside the uh, the, the rear the rear. river the river river thank you yeah it's crazy and um a lot of amazing birds amazing sounds and uh a really simple way of living but really happy uh drinking the water from the rain um not using electricity just one solar solar panel, uh, panel. solar panel yeah uh, for the night but uh, yeah eating a lot of fruits you know happy life yeah. same simple and happy life
2: yeah that's
0: awesome well thank you guys so much for
2: sitting down with us and doing pretty much two different interviews one <laughs> yes. in Spanish one in English but um, yeah really appreciate it and we're uh, so, that you guys you took
1: guys. the time it's all about collecting stories on the, on the mm-hmm. journey absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah.
0: absolutely. A, great have to have meet great you guys. Guys. yeah really
2: a lot of fun hanging out with those dudes um it was a fun interview a lot of good just background noise stuff going on that made it all the much more fun um but um we have a wonderful 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 list uh one of the largest lists that we've had this trip um which says a lot in its own right of the kinds of strangers um first and foremost Big thank you to McDonald's and the free Wi-Fi, 50-cent coffee that you offered in Panama. Um, It was a lifesaver many days for Ty and I uh, on the road, on the brutal Pan-American road. Um, And then another big shout-out to the Bomberos, which are just firemen in Panonome for giving us a place to crash. Um, There's a pretty strong culture amongst firemen in Latin America for hosting bike travelers, so thanks to you folks after a night of quality rest at the casa de
3: bomberos we arrived in panama city and we got to meet up with my dad joanne kate my brother travis his fiance tony and we had to spend what felt like uh a thanksgiving celebration in its own right um with everybody together in panama city and it was fantastic, uh, exactly what we needed to just get that little taste of home to start off our non-traditional
2: holiday season here in South America. Um, big thank you to Critty with Freewheel for sending down some parts. Um, Aaron for sending me down a Colorado flag and a ball in wooden comb. And a book, thank and, you. Oh yeah, great book. And um, mom and dad for sending down um, some letters and putting together the package Um, And Kate for being the mule to bring all of the many, many, many things down to Panama City. So thank you very much.
3: And then a big shout out to the fine folks at Copa Airlines at the Panama airport who miraculously dropped our extra baggage charges from somewhere in the neighborhood of $350 to $100. That was a massive help to our wallets.
2: Um. Big thank you to Paul Peterson from Minnesota for connecting me with Blanca and Raúl in Panama City. And Raúl and Blanca, thanks so much for bringing me out to breakfast, um, giving me the lay of the land a bit, and a, giving me a little tour of Panama City. Much appreciated.
3: And then thank you to the engineers and countless workers who braved the elements building the Panama Canal. Without your noble work. We could not have spent the seven to eight hours that we did um, really, really getting to know the ins and outs of arguably the finest piece of human engineering on the face of the planet. So thanks to everybody at the canal.
2: Um, Big shout out to the crew at Kyoto Bikes downtown Panama City for helping Ty and I get our bikes boxed up and uh, helping us out with some spare parts. If you're cruising through Panama City and you need a place to box a bike, Kyoto Bikes is the spot. Once we
3: got the bikes unboxed and reassembled on the other side in Medellin, we were so, so, so grateful to stay with Erin in her incredible apartment in Envigado, just south of the Centro in Medellin. And uh, not only was she hosting us at the time, but also her friend Ashley, and the two of them combined to make the best tour guides of Medellin and the best welcome party to Colombia that we could have ever asked for. Thank you guys so much.
2: And uh, thank you to nearly every single bike shop in the entire city of Medellin for helping me make some non-compatible bike parts compatible. Um, bit of a bike overhaul switched from drop bars to flat bars, um, paddle shifters to mountain bike shifters. Uh, drop brakes to just traditional mountain bike brakes. So I'm dealing with a bit of a new setup, but, uh, yeah, thanks to the four or five bike shops I visited, we found something that worked, so much appreciated.
3: And then another big thank you to the friendly Medellin cyclist Santiago who stopped us on our way out of town during the citywide Ciclovia. And I think the entire interaction maybe lasted 15 or 20 seconds But it was enough for Santiago to go look us up, see what we were doing, and send us a really cool message of support and encouragement. So thank you, Santiago.
2: And uh, at the end of our very first day of riding in uh, Colombia, we had uh, a super hard climb um, that we were making our slugging our way up. And when we got to the top, we were trying to grab some coffee and a little snack. And this guy came running over to us and said that, Um, Someone in a taxi who was making their way up the hill saw us struggling and uh, bought us coffee and some snacks and some food. And uh, yeah, that kind of just set the tone for um, how nice people have been to us, especially as cyclists here in Columbia. Um, So huge shout out to that random guy. And then almost
3: immediately after that, once we rode down the backside of that monster hill... We got to where we were staying that night and ran into a group of people uh, just walking around as we were looking for a spot to stay, and they bought us ice-cold Gatorades. It was a double-treat day, and those are few and far between, so thank you guys for that. And
2: uh, next day after that, we made our way to the town of Chichina, and um, we were once again greeted and helped uh, by the bomberos. Um, We showed up asking if we could stay with them, and they were disappointed to tell us no, but then they spent the next you know 20 to 30 minutes calling every other uh, civic group in the city to see if anyone could um, provide shelter for a few cyclists, and sure enough, the rec center uh, had a room where we could sleep in, and so one of the firemen hopped on his motorbike and led us right to the rec center, and we spent the night... Uh, <laughs> watching some very funny local groups, one of them a kind of a a roller skating competition group.
3: Roller dance squad.
2: Roller dance squad. And then the other was just a random volleyball team. Um, But, yeah, thanks to the crew at the rec center and the Bomberos for giving us a spot to stay. And we had the privilege
3: of spending that night in the company of Raphael, a French cyclist that we met on the road into Chinchina, And as we started talking about our respective adventures and how we were documenting our journeys, he pulled out this notebook full of incredible drawings and paintings that he had been doing, one for every day since September, and uh, we felt incredibly honored that we were featured in a page in his book of nomadic art. So thank you very much, Raphael.
2: Um, and then we made our way to the town of Sevilla, where Raul, the owner of a motorbike repair shop, gave us a spot to crash. Um, he had a beyond-crowded workshop, and there was a patch of open ground, barely big enough for two bodies, that uh, he let Ty and I use for sleeping that night. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was just a heck, it was a heck of a night. There were dogs and a cat walking around the workshop and, you know, big open pans of oil, and there was a festival going on outside, so all night there was fireworks going off, motorbikes revving their engines, music blaring, Um, but surprisingly enough, it ended up being one of our best nights of sleep we've had in quite some time. After waking
3: up from such an incredible night of sleep, we hit the road and stopped at this kind of nondescript highway town travel center that was just packed to the rafters with people. Um, We were so curious about what all these folks were gathered around to do. We got off the bikes to take a look. What else could it have been but a breakfast buffet? And so we got in line, got a table, eggs, rice, beans ensued. And then, finally, as we were packing up to go, a Colombian couple approached us, asked what we were doing, and we're so excited about it, so generous, so willing to help, that they gave us $100,000. $100,000?
2: Pesos. Pesos, okay, yeah. (laughs) Um, But thank you. Yeah, that was (laughs) awesome. And then, uh, Jonathan, um, at the kind of developing Casa de Ciclistas in La Unia, thanks for giving us a spot to crash. Um, giving us some hot chocolate, some bread, um, a tour of the city of Buga. Um, it was awesome hanging out with you and um, really appreciate the energy that you're pumping into the the global cyclist community. And finally,
3: here in Kali, we could not be recording this episode and um, telling you guys these stories if it weren't for Christian and his family here in Kali who are operating their own kind of close-knit Casa de Ciclistas, um, everybody in the family rides, there's bikes all over the house, we've been talking about um, cycling and traveling by bicycle since we have got here, and it's just been a great boost of energy and enthusiasm and knowledge for what's down the road in Colombia.
2: And of course, a huge shout-out to everyone who made a Spoke Nation uh, in this last... Uh, between episode two, three-week period. Um, Uncle Tom, you made a two-time spoke Nation in the last few weeks. Thank you so stinking much for uh, for giving us a little extra dough to keep the wheels spinning. So, vaya con Dios, mi amigo. And Robin Moore from Seattle, an old neighbor of
3: my parents. Um, long before there were any Michael children around, Robin was just a neighbor to my folks. And since then, for the past 30 years, she has continued to be an incredible person, a neighborly friend, um, despite thousands and thousands of miles of separation. So, Robin, thank you so much for your contribution.
2: And Franny and August, thank you so much for reaching out, for the kind words, and for the moolah. Much appreciated, and hope that things are going well in California. And then another
3: multi-time Spokenator, is ann and mike medici thank you guys so much for the second donation and who knows maybe this multi spoke nation status will earn you a visitation somewhere down the road in argentina let's say mendoza i don't know how does that
2: sound Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty fun having, uh, so much good being pumped our way uh, over the last few weeks, um, in all ways, shapes, and form. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're stoked to be, we're stoked to be officially south. Um, the Andes are intimidating, but awesome, and they're going to hopefully get us back into the rhythm that we've been missing of camping, sleeping on the ground, and, having a hard time breathing the thin air. God, oh, that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, we'll probably wait a while for the next episode post-holidays, so don't hold your breath, um, Spoke Nation out there. Um, we will talk to you soon. In the meantime, we're going to keep pedaling.
0: Pedaling on to the end of the world, making friends around every curve, telling stories, pedaling on. Who? Cur-